today on Ag News Daily. And, and, and that's really where the, the term set out to develop this. So sellmylivestock.co.uk was um, our first platform that evolved out of that. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a windy, cold, rainy day here in central Iowa. I'm Delaney Howell, joined, of course, by Madison Honkamp. Madison, I guess the good thing about the rain is it's a sign that we're starting to have some temperatures warm up. I know we talk about weather a lot, but I'm a big weather person. I'm usually cold, and the rain today is making me even colder than usual. I know. It's not fun walking outside, um, but, I mean, it does mean that it's going to get warmer I'm ready the for only it. issue is I'm kind of scared Ames is going to be a little flooded within mm. the next couple weeks. Yeah, that's definitely some concerns, I'm sure, not just for folks on the Iowa State campus, but across the northern plains, the Midwest, a lot of snow still on the ground, which can lead to pretty wet ground and getting folks delayed getting in the field or getting some of that fall prep work that they didn't get done in the fall done in the spring. Yeah, exactly. And I actually just saw something on Twitter that, so there's obviously a chance of flash flooding with all the rain and Mm -hmm. the snow melting, but it's also could be with ice jams in like rivers and lakes possibly. Because if the ice doesn't melt fast enough and it just breaks apart, then it can't get out of the way for the rest of the water coming down. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Yeah, so I guess we'll see what happens. We will indeed. Madison, we had quite a bit of breaking news here that happened today. I'm going to kick it off with Senator, or excuse me, Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer was testifying today in Washington, D.C. in front of the Senate Finance Committee. And he essentially was talking about a lot of different issues, but focused on U.S.-China trade talks. That was what they grilled him on quite a bit. Definitely gave some support to the soybean markets today because he said the talks themselves are coming to an end. There are still major, major issues that have to be resolved, but the agreement itself is is near the end. Really, the question here, the sticking point is, will we actually sign the agreement? He said both sides, the Chinese and the U.S., have been working on the agreement more or less continuously, and their staffs are getting drafts back and forth. That he's thinking it's going to be about a 110 to 120 page document. Interesting, I think that he knows that already. But he said the president will tell me when the time is up, or the Chinese will. So it sounds like the deal itself could be done relatively soon. The negotiating part, or the getting both tables to come to the, getting both parties to come to the table is. I think maybe the sticking point now, it seems. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder why they haven't really set a deadline for it. But I mean, if everything's kind of going positively, then that could be a reason why. Absolutely. That could be. And uh, Robert Lighthizer will also testify about the U.S. MCA trade agreement this week. Uh, there's a lot of concerns about provisions in that trade deal. And so he's going to get to go to Capitol Hill again tomorrow and chat about that with the House Ways and Means Committee. Well, and we can always hope for improvement in that one as well. Absolutely. Um, and then even kind of moving on from there, Delaney, so 
I know we talked a lot about the budget yesterday that mm-hmm. Trump had kind of proposed, and they came out with more today and it kind of focusing on USDA and it, there's about a 15% budget cut mm. possibly going to the USDA and about 12% cut to just rural development. And that kind of hit home for me because I am from a rural community and I know that the USDA really helped with a lot of things going on in Winterset in the past couple of years. So I'm kind of wondering how that is all going to play out, especially if this bill gets um, signed into law. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe taking away dollars from the FSA offices could be a possibility there. If you look at the county levels, we know crop insurance and crop subsidy money could get taken away. So Again, I think we should stress this isn't in law yet. This is just President Trump's initial proposal for twenty nine or for twenty twenty. Um, but I think the earlier they get a start on it, the better. Because as we saw there with the last fiscal budget, we had what three, two or three government shutdowns. So it's good to get the ball rolling early. Yes, that's very true. And again, yes, since it is from the White House, I know lots of. Um, Different headlines, not really headlines, but they've always mentioned in the articles. Since it's coming from the White House, it's very unlikely it'll get signed. But it's still interesting to see where kind of his interest lays. Yes, absolutely. Good point there, Madison. Another key piece of news for today that just came out a couple hours ago, really, was finally some news on year-round E15 sales. The EPA released a new set of limitations today and a proposed rule to allow E15 sales year-round. This proposed rule was signed by EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler today, and of course makes those regulatory changes to E15, but also makes some structural changes to the trading market for those RINs or Renewable Identification Numbers, the credits used to track compliance with, of course, the Renewable Fuel Standards. So, A couple of those reforms include preventing certain parties from being able to purchase RINs, requiring public disclosure of RIN holdings above specific thresholds, limiting how long a non-obligated party can hold RINs, and then increasing disclosure requirements from an annual to quarterly reporting. So it's not clear at this point if the EPA is planning to pursue all or part of those proposed changes to the final RINs market is part of a final package, but they're planning to hold a public hearing here on March 29th, and that's kind of the next step. But at least now we finally saw this E15 year-round. I think that's the big nugget that everybody's been watching for quite a while. Yes, definitely. I saw that in the one of the headlines today, and I was like, finally, we're getting yes. somewhere with this E15 ruling. And I know I think the oil industry is kind of kind of um, really closely watching it because we will see what it does for them, kind of affects them with this kind of higher percentage of of ethanol. So Absolutely. And I'm sure that at the March 29th hearing, you can be dang sure there's going to be some oil folks there and probably not happy oil folks. Oh, definitely not. So Delaney, I did find this one thing that I thought was very interesting, especially since it's Tech Tuesday here on the podcast. So for agri-food and tech startups in 2018, had kind of a record-breaking year for investments. Um, They said that there was about $16.9 billion invested into these startup companies. This includes biotech, 
in improving transportation of products in different farm-to-fork startups, as well as robotics in the for the ag industry. And this was a 43% increase hmm. in year-to-year growth. So I thought that was very interesting because um, we are really trying to improve how production is done, um, especially through technology. And uh, farm robotics and equipment increased about 56% in investments. So this was really kind of improved because of uh, the, the cost of labor going up as well as different labor short shortages. And so many entrepreneuring companies um, were really driven to develop these. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money being poured into some tech companies for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, I think that's very fitting for today because it is Tech Tuesday, of course. And before we get to that interview with the starters of Tutter, amongst other interesting apps there out of the UK, just a couple of other quick pieces of news to wrap up for today. The first is fresh blows to Monsanto and uh, Bayer happening in India related to GM cotton seed royalties. We know that's been brought up in the WTO quite a bit here is protecting those royalties and trademarks in other countries, including India. And India has again cut the royalties that local seed companies pay to Bayer Ag's Monsanto unit for the third time in four years. They decided to reduce the royalties paid uh, for GM crops, GM cotton, excuse me, by 49%. And a drop here, not that it might make sense for a lot of people, but they were paying 39 rupees last year. This year, they're cutting back to 20 rupees uh, for a packet of 450 grams of GM seeds. The decision could prompt Monsanto and other seed companies to further scale back investments in those countries because we see that their their dollars aren't protected, those royalties go away. And this decision comes at a time when India's cotton output is falling. And that's, I think, part of the reason they decided to do this is they're not making a lot of money and they apparently decided they can't afford to pay more royalties to Monsanto. So not great news there. Another little piece of news here that came out of Brazil today is related to the U.S. sugar and ethanol industry. Brazil is seeking a tariff-free sugar quota agreement with the United States similar to the agreement we have with Brazil when it comes to U.S. ethanol. The new head of Brazil's powerful cane industry group called Unica told Reuters that, and he is also a former congressman, uh, he said that if the U.S. doesn't come to the negotiating table here and look at putting some sort of free trade agreement in place when it comes to to, uh, Brazilian sugar into the U.S., They could look at placing tariffs on ethanol imports by a minimum of 20%. But good news is we have trade talks, or preliminary trade talks, I should say, later this week with Brazilian President Bolsonaro. So I'm sure that's going to be one of the things they discuss. Maybe not that specifically, but agriculture and trade as it relates to a whole. Yeah, trade has definitely been a big thing in the headlines, um, especially this week, it seems like. And I know Trump is already kind of seeking those fundings in the budget for trade in 2020. And they said that we could see talks begin with more countries in Europe, throughout Mm -hmm. the UK, Japan, and even more than that. Absolutely. And it seems like trade talks, among other things, gave some life to the markets today. Madison, should we jump over and see how they all closed on the day? Let's do it. 
All right, and of course, our markets are sponsored by the folks over at the Zayner Group, Ted Seifert, Brian Grossman, Matt Zayner, and others. Give them a call today at 312-277-0050 and see how their strategies can help protect you, especially on days to like today when you want to take advantage of those upside trades. The March corn contract finished four cents up on the day at 356 and a half. The December closed five cents higher to end at 391 and a half, nearing that four dollar mark again or fighting to get back there. In the soybean pits, the March contract up seven cents, gaining back yesterday's close at eight eighty-four and three quarters. The November up six and three quarters cent at nine thirty-two and a quarter. Wheat pit was the winner today. The March contract up twenty-four cents at four forty-six and a quarter. The May up twenty-four and a half cents to close at four fifty-three even. Over in the livestock pits, red across the screen for the cattle market, the April contract down $2.35 to close at $1.2665. The June down $1.57.5 to close at $1.1867.5. In the feeder cattle pits, the March contract cut a dollar on the day to close at $1.4130. The April cut a dollar fifty-seven and a half to close at $1.4440. The lean hog market's continuing to see some green on the screen today. The April contract up 80 cents at 63.65, while the May up 72 and a half cents to close at 71.75. And rounding out the markets with Class Three dairy milk futures, the March contract unchanged on the day at 14.93, while the April up 12 cents to close at 14.92. Now, as promised, going to be talking here about some interesting technology coming out of the UK, but could soon transition to other countries, including the United States. For today's Tech Tuesday interview, going across the pond to chat with the CEO of Hector Agritech, Doug Banner. Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. So, Maybe the best way to uh, explain the company that you do is it's to start here with the story. How did you, when you look at the website, you've got a couple of different brands of agricultural technology entities. How did you come to be to this point? Um, absolutely. Well, we're, we're really trying to help farmers to, to trade more effectively. And it all began uh, in 2014 when a, a beef farmer, uh, Dan Lust, as one of our co-founders went to his web developer friend uh, Jamie McInnes and explained how his local um, auction market in the UK, which is where he traditionally bought and sold his livestock, um, had closed down, um, and he was now faced with a 200-mile um, each way journey to um, to his nearest next nearest one, um, and that journey involved taking a full day out of, of his time. It involved moving his animals quite a long distance, which caused them stress. Um, and the stress caused them to lose weight, and he was paid on weight, so it didn't make a huge amount of sense from that point of view. Um, and also, um, he was traveling uh, from a, a non-TB-affected area to go and buy stock or sell his stock into a TB-affected area, which obviously then had a, a biohazard risk of what um, what other animals were his animals mixing with in, in that market. Um, <clears throat> and all, all on the on the premise that he got the price that he was looking for in that day, and if he didn't, and he had a, a, a looking at being able, having to take them all the way back home to his farm. So um, he had a vision to saying you know, this should be much more translatable into an online marketplace, and and, and that's really where the, the term set out to to develop this. So sellmylivestock.co.uk was um, our first platform that evolved out of that. Um, and so that launched in in 2014. 
Um, and since then, um, we've signed up over 44,000 UK farmers uh, onto the site. And, and that represents about one in three um, UK farms who, uh, wow. who trade to us. That's quite a few. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're still um, you know, doing a huge amount of work to onboard more of them and, and to, to help them to use the system uh, as effectively as possible. Because obviously, um, the more people we have using it, the more likely you are to have buyers and sellers um, on, online at the same time. Um, but yeah, thankfully, you know, over when we look at the last 12 months, we've traded over £60 million pounds worth of, of stock through the system. That's uh, growing at 120% year on year. So it's uh, getting some real real traction and really uh, really pushing forward. Um, so th- that was the kind of the first part of the journey. And then um, two years into that, um, Jamie actually married into an arable farming family and uh, watched his uh, father-in-law trading grain one, one day. And um, he kind of joked to him and said, well, what are you going to do with the rest of the day? But um, he then saw what happened and it took him um, four hours effectively to ring around a lot of the of the merchants that he had in his uh, in his phone di- directory um, and took a lot of uh, finding tracking them down and lots of lots of talk to then finally get to what's your price and um, so it was a what should be a very easy price discovery um, you know, kind of process took him four hours to get two or three prices and um, so again um, Jamie thought this should lend itself to an online trading platform so Graindex was born where and farmers can um, post a, a parcel of grain for for sale, um, and then that notifies over 50 buyers around uh, around the UK to be able to go on and and place their bids against that, that grain. So you, um, so you've effectively you started sell my livestock, then you started grain decks, um, and then yes. walk me through then farm pay, and and the one that caught my eye and was the reason I reached out in the first place was Tudder, which we talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Fascinating stuff you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I guess, um, yeah, so we'll come to Tudder in a second, how that came to me about, but yeah, farm pay was, uh, the, was answering, um, a need that sell my livestock really identified, um, in that, you know, when farmers were transacting with each other, especially because we were opening up their marketplace beyond just their local neighbours and making it a much more national um, trading um, marketplace. It meant that they were dealing with other farmers they didn't necessarily know. Um, so FarmPay really is a sits in the middle of those transactions. So it means that both sides feel secure in handing over their uh, their money or handing over their stock. So um, a, a buyer will submit their funds to us. We'll hold the funds. Let the seller know. That the funds are, um, are securely held and they can release their stock. And then when the buyer has received the stock satisfactorily, uh, we'll then release the, the money to the seller. So, uh, so just making sure that everybody's secure in that transaction. Um, and uh, there's, there's quite a few other things that we're now working on of other financial services we can add into to, into farm pay to help um, farmers to, to fund and uh, and pay for their uh, their goods and services. Um, and then yeah, say Tudder was a, a driven by an insight that um, we recognized that with all the genetic information sitting behind breeding cattle in particular, that it lends itself really well to a, a dating app style um, <laughs> way of browsing, <laughs> even more so potentially than humans do, because as I say, it's, it's objective genetic science that forms the profile, not you know a self-declared good sense of humor. So, yeah, you modeled it. I mean, looking at that some of the pictures and even some of the articles that have come out about Tudder, it looks like 
you know, Tinder or Bumble or some of the other dating apps that are out there where you can swipe that you like it or you don't like it? What information um, can producers find then? And is it just, it's just cattle at this point in time? Yes, it's just, just cattle for now. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a quite a, a nice, um, simple way of being able to browse stock. Um, and, but then when you see something that looks interesting, whether it's a, a breed you're particularly interested in, um, you can then swipe right to go and find some more information on it. And, and sitting in the background behind a lot of this is you know, linking into a lot of databases. So we um, enable the farmers who are selling their stock um, to, to tap into um, the British Cattle Movement Service, into um, the Soil Association database so they can verify whether it's organic or not. Um, and then into, uh, in, in particular, into the, um, the performance data sitting in the genetic history of, of that livestock. So it can obviously then predict the characteristics that will breed from that uh, particular animal. Um, and that means that when you're, you're trying to match, um, you know, whether you're looking for a heifer to match to a bull or vice versa, you can then match it perfectly to get to the right outcome that you're looking for. So if you're a dairy farmer, um, and you know, you're obviously looking to maximize your milk yield um, and your uh, protein and fat percentages, um, then you know, you're looking for um, matches that will help to do that, but also at the same time, you know, make uh, calving ease um, to be you know, very, uh, very relevant as well. So you're looking after the health of, the, um, of the, both the cows and the, and the calves that are being a result of that. So once you match with somebody on Tudder, does it, provide you with contact information? How do you go about then setting up, you know, either exchanging semen or, or getting the bull to your farm or your operation? Yeah, absolutely. It, it does exactly that. It connects you into, gives you a, you know, a messaging facility and also a number to call um, to get, uh, get in contact with, uh, with that farmer that has the, as you say, the, either the, the AI, um, you know, products or the actual bulls or heifers themselves. Um, to then have a have a conversation about um, you know, buying buying those services or buying that stock. Huh, that is fascinating. Um, so I know on your website it mentions you've you've rolled it out in the UK. You've got the app available for folks in the UK. It says outside of the UK we'll be launching in your country soon. What are your plans for expansion then outside of the UK? Can we expect to see it in the United States anytime soon? Well, it, the response has been amazing. We we launched this expecting to get a response in the UK and have been blown away by uh, the responses, particularly from the US. Um, we've had uh, over 14,000 downloads globally, and the US is actually the number one download um, you know, country for that. So you know, certainly it's um, making us have another look at our business plan and uh, figure out how we might be able to you know, bring everything that sits in the, in the background of Tether, which is uh, effectively... You know, the breeding stock listings from some of my livestock and, and make that happen uh, in the US. So certainly uh, watch this space. And um, you know, if there are any, any contacts out there that uh, think they might be able to help us to, to get launched in the US, we'd uh, love to hear from them. Absolutely. That's exciting stuff. So besides, you've got kind of all of these different platforms now. Aside from maybe getting into some new markets outside of the UK, what's the next piece of technology that you see coming down the pipeline for your company? Um, so we're constantly building services that will help to um, facilitate those those trades between farmers without them having to leave their own farm. So coming very soon, we'll have a ability to book um, haulage, um, so you can move your your livestock across the country very easily. Um, we'll also have um, some independent verification 
services that mean that you know, if you if you can't travel to go and check out the stock yourself um, and you you're very interested in it that you can get um, a, a vet independent vet to go and have a look at the stock and, and give it a, a report back for you um, so and then on top of that as I said earlier you know farm pay we're adding in lots of services there that will um, help fa- farmers to get you know, finance for um, buying livestock for for their farm um, or machinery uh, or just helping with their working capital so yeah we're working on lots of things that just really help farmers to uh, to operate more more effectively and trade more efficiently. Well, that's really exciting. Before I let you go, Doug, uh, share with me, how can folks find out more information or connect with you if they've got questions or maybe have some ideas about how you can get market share into the U.S.? Absolutely. Well, so first uh, first thing to look at is uh, Um That will give you a lot of information about, uh, about how that works. Um, and then if you want to see how it works in the U.K., um, registering for on salmonlivestock.co.uk will give you a real good insight into, you know, the kind of breadth of stock that we have available over here and, and how it works. Um, and then, yeah, sure, if anybody uh, would like to get into in contact with me, um, it's uh, doug.banner at hectare.farm. Awesome, Doug. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Madison, that is fascinating stuff that they're doing. I can't wait for some of that technology to finally hit the U.S. market. The Tutter app or the, the kind of Tinder or dating app for cattle, I think it's hilarious. And I think it's really taking advantage of looking at what technology works in, in mainstream America and, and mainstream you know global population and applying it to agriculture. Really interesting stuff. I know. I love that they took more of like a dating app and made it benefit agriculture really and I just think that's so cool how they're trying to find better ways to do things for production and everything like that yeah really cool stuff so folks unfortunately it's not here in the U.S. yet but you can still download that app and just kind of scroll through it so interesting stuff but we're going to be bringing other interesting stuff later this week got a lot of good Good discussion pieces on the docket, including some renewable fuels discussions we're going to bring you tomorrow from our field reporter, Bruce Gorder, and other things. Madison, if folks want to interact with us on social media, where can they find us? Well, they can find us at Ag News Daily on both Facebook and Twitter, um, and just give us a shout out there. Awesome. Madison, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.